morning, one and all. And I welcome you to the First Presbyterian Church, especially those of you that may have traveled and you are here with family today. Um, my job as presiding elder is actually to make you feel comfortable. And as you know, this morning was our um, wear your pajamas to service. And I figure, okay, elder, I can't do that. But I'm supposed to make you feel comfortable. And the other side of it is, if you think about it, it's okay, it's okay. Don't worry, don't worry. You, you see, this is my last Sunday as presiding elder. So I figure, what are they going to do, fire me? Could they take it out of my pay? There you go. There's one for you. So uh, we just want everybody to feel real comfortable here today. Um, couple of points for you. You'll notice when we're going down the list up here, if you do your little comparison between the, uh, your bulletin, um, the second item down is medley. I wasn't about to list them all because you'll see we're doing a, a whole large medley that's in your uh, bulletin. I didn't want you to think the word med meant that's when you take your medicine because the kids have been home all week and you got another couple days to go. And... Um, Aside from that, uh, Faye Casey, you have an announcement. Why don't you come up for on our music program? Okay, okay, I was getting a little worried about, uh, about this, uh, what was going on up here. Now, you can see that I'm not wearing my pajamas. I'm wearing a Christmas sweater. And I have a purpose for wearing a Christmas sweater because I'm still in the spirit. And for those of you who are still in the spirit or maybe want to recapture the spirit, after the service, I will be in Fellowship Hall and I will, be, I will have DVDs and CDs of our wonderful choir Sacred Favorites Christmas concert available for your donations. Uh, for a donation of $20, you can get a DVD. The DVDs, by the way, came out wonderfully. Uh, they're, really, they're really fun to watch um, and listen to, obviously. And uh, the second DVD then would be $15, or any would be $15 after that. And for the CDs, it's a donation of $15, and each one after that would be $10. Um, those of you who ordered them uh, previously, I will have them uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in Fellowship Hall. We're still taking orders, and we will have more um, on the 4th as well. as if, That is, if we run out today, which would be a wonderful uh, thing that would happen. Also, I want to take the opportunity to thank any of you who came to that concert uh, for coming because uh, we had a lot of fun doing it and we were very appreciative that we pretty much filled this sanctuary to overflowing. And I will make one more plug and that is we had a couple of people who decided to come and join in with us for the Christmas concert and they had so much fun singing with the choir that they've decided to join the choir, which is pretty exciting because our choir's building. So any of you who have, uh, you know, trust me, 
I only have a little bit of talent, if you even want to call it that, but James just pulls it out of us, and we have a lot of fun and a good time. And so any of you who have thought about trying it, please come. We meet on Wednesday nights. We won't meet until Wednesday, the 7th of January, but we would sure love to have you join us. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, that music program was absolutely stunning and beautiful. So uh, pick up one of those CDs to enjoy it again. Um, And by the way, the messengers are donating $10, I understand, for each individual that is wearing pajamas today to youth mission. So, you know, anyways, here's 10 more. Um, Let's see, we have uh, Jane Hunter is in the back, is our Stephen minister this morning, and do not forget the pew pads along there so we know if there's any special needs that you might have or just to be able to welcome someone else in your pew. And um, coffee hour is on down the corner. Enjoy your day.
Angels we have heard on high and right here in our very own sanctuary. Thank you, Hannah. Music does so many great things for us, doesn't it? As you've already heard from Faye and from Jim, our sacred favorites touched us in many different ways. Your meditation that's on the front of your bulletin this morning is the poem that inspired one of those beautiful pieces that we heard both on Sacred Favorites Night and again on Christmas Eve. And we know that music can touch us for both our highs and our lows. We didn't have a white Christmas this year, and many of you I know have blue Christmases either this year or in previous years. So for as much as the trappings around us may be saying, joy, 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 know that there is a peace, a joy that passes all understanding. A Christ that understands us, for he lived everything that we have lived. And it is for that reason that we join today to worship him. Please join me in the call to worship. The child is tucked into the manger bed. Jesus is born. Let the celebration of the incarnation and of nativity proceed. No robe, no sleepers, no pajamas, just swaddling cloths to wear. No hospital, no nurses, nor warm home, but love and care were there. And so we sing Alleluia and join the angel choirs. For Jesus was born in a manger on that very first Christmas.
Please join me in the prayer of the day. Come, Holy One, who hastens us now with cumbersome shepherds unto Bethlehem. Come and abide in us that we may learn the things that make for our peace. Give us that listening which hears thy compassion, moving through all human loneliness and in the midst of carols this morning. Help us to be sensitive to the needs of others. In the snow-filled air, fill us with the presence of your living spirit and give us wisdom to live in the light of your gifts. Amen. You may be seated, friends. We have a gift for you this morning. We want to share with you the opportunity to sing the first verses of some beloved carols and to get to know our new hymnal a little better. So go ahead and pull them out. Grab your new hymnal. Feel free to turn with me. We're going to go to the hymnal indexes that start on page 979. And while you're getting there, let me tell you a little bit about the word carol. It is actually the Latin word, and it means song of joy. So carol, caroline, carrie, we get to say that our name means song of joy. And carols were not just sung by Christians. As a matter of fact, they started even before Christ was born. As a matter of fact, they were used in many pagan rituals. And we, as good Christians, knew that we could adopt those lovely rituals and adapt them for our own use. Carols used to be written and sung during all four seasons. And this morning, we will use them as an additional way to praise God and give, give thanks to God for the gift of our Savior. So, if you're at page 979, you see the beginning of our indexes. I'm sorry, 949, my apologies. 949, the beginning of our indexes. And you'll see that there are many different indexes. But why don't you go ahead and flip to page 984, get you going, right? And at 984, you'll see is, this, is a scriptural index. And in the second column, you'll see Luke in bold. And Luke chapter 2, which as you know from our nativity, tells the story of the birth of Jesus. And look at all the hymns all the page numbers that have something to do with Luke 1 and 2. That's a lot of Christmas hymns. And they tend to center around those Adventian Christmas hymns around the pages 100. That's because the editors of this purple hymnal decided that they were going to arrange this hymnal chronologically, as opposed to the blue hymnal having been arranged according to the seasons of the church year. So most of our Advent and Christmas hymns are still towards the front around the hundreds. Now, flip with me to the very first page, the Table of Contents. You'll see the Glory to God face page, and then you'll see the Table of Contents. There's not even a page number, so I can't tell you what number. Just flip to the front to the Table of Contents. And when you're looking up, I'll know that most of you are there. You'll see that the hymns begin first with services of worship, other texts for worship, and then we get to hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. And we start with God's mighty acts, and we move through this description of who God is, and then on to who Jesus Christ is, through his advent, birth, life, passion, and death, resurrection, ascension, and reign. Then we move to the gift of the Holy Spirit, the church, the life of the nations, Christ's return and judgment, a new heaven and a new earth. And we have this whole understanding 
of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in hymnody. And then we move to more particular things in the second column of the contents, the church at worship, our response to God, the appendices, and those indices that I first sent you to. Well, these wonderful, wonderful overviews give us a sense of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. The first carol that we're going to sing this morning, and if you notice in your bulletin, I've got you moving by page number from hymn number 108 to 121. So this should be pretty easy. You can stick your, stick your finger in at 108, and we'll make our way through hymns from 108 to 121. Our first hymn is going to be Of the Father's Love Begotten. And the first carol speaks of the birth of Jesus in our new hymnal. And of the Father's love begotten is a Christmas carol based on the Latin poem Corde Natus by the Roman poet Aurelius. Aurelius was one of the most prolific and prominent authors of early sacred Latin poetry. The ancient poem was translated and paired with a medieval plain chant melody known as Divinum Mysterium. You might know from some of the other hymns and carols and the Messiah that you've heard, O Magnum Mysterium. Plain chant, or plain song, is monophonic, consisting of a single unaccompanied melodic line. Its rhythm is generally freer than the metered rhythm of later Western music, and you've got that sense with the Of the Father's Love Begotten. You know that, that hymn tune is very simple and melodic. Plain song developed during the earliest centuries of Christianity, influenced possibly by the music of Jewish synagogue and certainly by the Greek modal system. It has its own system of notation. Dr. Frank, I didn't know this. There's only four staves. Dr. Douthat, instead of five. Fascinating. And Gregorian chant is a variety of plain songs. So many of you have heard of the monks doing their Gregorian chant. It's plain song, plain chant. Gregorian chant is one of those. But interestingly enough, it's not Pope Gregory I that gave us the name Gregorian chant. It's actually a later Gregory, Pope Gregory II his more famous predecessor. So let us sing together of the Father's love begotten, just verse 1, so you get a sense of this plain song or plain chant.
keep your finger in your hymnals because the next one we're going to sing is Love Has Come, which is hymn number 110. And it's based on the French hymn tune, Un flambeau, jeunette Isabelle, un flambeau, coron berceau. Now you know the tune, so this will be easier for you to sing. And we've already sung Love Has Come at the 8 o'clock Christmas Eve worship service. Now this is a Christmas carol which originated in the Provence region of France in the 16th century. Un flambeau, jeunette Isabelle originated there. It was first published in 1553 in France and then was translated into English in the 18th century. The song, interestingly enough, was not originally sung to be sung at Christmas, but rather as dance music for French nobility. In the carol, visitors to the stable have to keep their voices down so that the newborn can enjoy his dreams. To this day, in the Provence region, children dress up as shepherds and milkmaids, carrying torches and candles to midnight mass on Christmas Eve, while singing the carol, Un flambeau jeunette Isabella. These new words, love has come, emphasize the importance of love not just in the Christmas season, but throughout our lives. So first verse of 110, love has come. your finger in the hymnal, move to 113. Put a little place marker there because you're going to come back to it. And then come back to the indexes, starting on page 949 with me. I want you to look at the topical index, okay? I want you to notice, flip through all those indices. It's not just organized by topic. It's also organized by scripture and lectionary, author and composer, by topic and first popular or first line or title. Those are all pretty self-explanatory headings, but perhaps we're least familiar with those organized by meter. So I'm going to focus our attention on page 1003. Okay, you see metrical index of tunes, right? Starts with SM68 or 6686 and keeps going. So, interestingly enough, on page 1007, you get in that metrical index, in the last column, the meter 11, 11, 11, 11. And under 11, 11, 11, 11, you see amongst them Cradle Song, Muller, O Quantiqualia, and Saint Denio. Now, if you flip with me to pages 114 and 115, back to where I asked you to hold, you'll see a way in a manger, two different ways, right? 
We know best the other way to sing Away in a Manger at 11, 11, 11, 11 can be sung to St. Daniel. Immortal, invisible, God only wise. You can flip around with different hymn tunes if you look for the right meter. So you can play around with that a little bit. Well, the carol Away in a Manger is of unknown authorship, but has often been attributed mistakenly to Martin Luther. Most likely, the text is an American one written for the 200th anniversary of Luther's birth. So I'm going to ask us to sing the first verses of Away in a Manger 114 and 115 so you see the two different tunes that it's done to, and you'll have a sense of how to read that metrical index of tunes in the back. 113? I've skipped over angels we have heard on high, but we heard angels. So I'm going to honor us and let's just move to 114 and 115, okay? We already sang, or rather heard, from Ms. Sapala, the beautiful rendition of Angels We Have Heard on High. And now I'm going to jump us to 119, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, our second hymn about angels. And this, of course, is from Charles Wesley during his early productive period. Originally, the poem began, Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. Wesley himself, thankfully, altered the text in 1743, and many more alterations have been made throughout the years. The tune, Mendelssohn, to which the text is set, is an adaptation of the composition by Felix Mendelssohn. The original composition was for male chorus and orchestra in 1840. It was composed to commemorate the 400th anniversary of the invention of printing. So we give thanks for the opportunity to read from the same kind of books. Felix Mendelssohn Bartholdi was born in Hamburg, Germany. He was the grandson of the Jewish philosopher Moses Mendelssohn, but Felix was raised in the Lutheran Church. 
His musical ability was noted early. And for those of you who had a chance to hear Jackie Moe or Allison Wall over the Christmas holidays, you can see how, how very important it is to capture young persons when their musical ability is noted early. He became accomplished on the piano and organ, and at 12, he began to compose. At 17, he composed his overture to A Midsummer Night's Dream. He revived an interest in the study and performance of Bach, conducting the St. Matthew Passion for 100 years after its performance. Enjoy with us in singing the first verse of 119, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Turn with me to page 121, A Little Town of Bethlehem. You might remember in the blue hymnal that we had two versions of that hymn side by side. We don't in this one. We go straight from A Little Town of Bethlehem to Silent Night in our new hymnal. And our children sang in the choir on 1214th during our Sacred Favorite concert the version to the tune Forest Green. Now, if I had you flip back to the indexes, which I won't do again, but you could find the tune Forest Green, and you'd discover that in our hymnal, it's set and has a different word set to it on hymn number 712. You can also see in the bottom of each of these hymns notes particular to that hymn. So if you look at the bottom of O Little Town of Bethlehem, you'll see the text is Philip Brooks. The music is Lewis Henry Redner. The tune here is St. Louis, and you'll notice at the bottom it says alternate tune forest green. But we're going to sing it to St. Louis, the first verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem.
last hymn in this carol in this section is 123. It came upon the midnight clear. Edmund Sears composed this five stanza poem in common meter doubled during 1849. Sears is said to have written these words at the request of his friend William Parsons Lunt, pastor of United First Parish Church, Quincy, Massachusetts. In 1850, Richard Storrs Willis, a composer who trained under Felix Mendelssohn, wrote the carol melody that we now call Carol. Carol is the most widely known tune to this song in the United States. The first verse of It Came Upon the Midnight Clear, 123. Psalm 148. O sing to God a new song, all the earth. Bless God's name and tell of his salvation day to day. Declare God's glory among the nations and God's marvelous work among the peoples. Sing to God a new song. For great is our God and greatly to be praised and revered among all gods. The gods of the people are idols, but our God made the heavens and is worthy of majesty and honor. Strength and beauty are in God's sanctuary. Sing to God a new song. O families of the peoples, ascribe to God glory and strength. Bring an offering and come into God's courts. Worship our God in holy splendor and tremble before him all the earth. Sing to God a new song. Say among the nations, God is king. The world is firmly established and shall never be moved. God will judge the people with equity. Sing to God a new song. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy, because God is coming to judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with truth. Sing to God a new song. Well, our, new, our last carol in this section is not exactly a new carol or a new song, but it's not one sung as frequently these days. Still, Still, Still is an Austrian Christmas carol and lullaby. The melody is a folk tune, and the authorship is unknown from the state of Salzburg. The tune appeared for the first time in 1865 and was in a collection by the founder of the Salzburg Museum. The words, which run to six verses in German, describe the peace of the infant Jesus and his mother as the baby is sung to sleep. 
a lullaby for all of us. First verse of Still, Still, Still. chose that carol just to precede this reading because in Luke 2, we of course have the nativity narrative. And at the end of those first 20 verses, the shepherds have gone to continue to praise God for all that they had seen. And we move immediately to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph going up to Jerusalem so that the rites of purification as described in Leviticus can be accomplished. Jesus, a young boy, will have an opportunity to bless those who would not otherwise have seen him. I invite you to hear God's word to you and imagine yourself being amongst those who got to see him. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Jesus, with Mary and Joseph, We're in Jerusalem, presenting Jesus to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And Mary and Joseph offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came, 
and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That little boy who was presented to Anna and Simeon was God in human form. He humbled himself, as we have in Philippians. He took the form of a servant. He was made in your likeness and mine. He identified himself with the problems of the human race. And thus it was that the Apostle John wrote, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. More than 200 years ago, in the early days of the 19th century, the world was following, with fear and trembling, the march of Napoleon across Europe. Remember the little man? Day after day, Europe waited with impatience for the latest news of the wars. And no one was paying any attention to the babies that were being born in that same year. In just one year, lying midway between the the battles of Trafalgar and Waterloo, there came into the world a host of heroes. During that year of 1809, listen to the people who were born in that year, when everybody else was taken up with the problems of Napoleon. Prime Minister William Gladstone was born in Liverpool, England. Alfred Tennyson was born in Somersby, England. Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Frederick Chopin was born in Warsaw, Poland. Felix Mendelssohn was born in Hamburg, Germany. And Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky. But nobody was thinking of babies. Everybody was thinking of battles. Yet over 200 years later, with the perspective of time, we can ask ourselves, which of the battles was more important than any of these babies born in 1809? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What had come into being was life, and that life was the light of the world. What a difference the baby born in a manger in Bethlehem made in our lives thousands of years ago and still makes in our world today. The educational systems that he inspired, the social reforms that his teachings have instituted, and the transformation of families and lives brought about as the result of a baby born in Bethlehem and who had the opportunity to bless lives like those of Anna and Simeon. In the time of the Roman Empire, during the era of the Napoleonic Wars and today, Humanity expects God to break into our world to vanquish evil through power and violence. But Jesus came as a baby and changed the world through his nonviolent teaching. Make no mistake, nonviolence is not the same as passive non-resistance. Nonviolence is active and it takes practice. Jesus was actively opposing every attempt to make Caesar the God. He taught people. Remember how Jesus said, render these things to Caesar that are Caesar's and render unto God what is God's? 
Jesus healed people. He prayed for people. He loved people. But he wasn't using violence. Have any of you ever enjoyed pomegranate seeds? I love pomegranates. They're out in our markets right now. The first time I was introduced to them, my hostess served them in a lovely little dish with a very light sprinkling of lime juice and then some crystallized sugar sprinkled over the top. She called them princess jewels, and from there on I was hooked. I asked her how she prepared them, and she told me that it was very simple. You cut the pomegranate in half, you place it on a surface that you're willing to bang, you put a towel over it that you're willing to let get totally stained, and then you take a good mallet, and all that frustration from having too much family around for a while, you use it to get those pomegranate seeds out, right? And there you have some pomegranate seeds. The problem is, when you use that method, you also get that stained towel. You get a bunch of crushed pomegranate seeds, and you get this big mess. Well, then Danny Wegman came to my rescue. Many of you know that I have a habit of shopping at uh, the Parent and Wegmans on Friday mornings, and I have an opportunity to see several of you there. And I also see my favorite tasting person. Her name is Mary Lou, and I love her. She introduced me to another way to prepare your pomegranates. You cut them in quarters. You get a nice big bowl of water out, and you put those quarters into the bowl of water. And then you let the water work with you to pop those seeds out, right? The white parts of the pomegranate will float to the top. The seeds will go to the bottom. And all you have to do is skim the white parts off, throw them out, and then pour the water out into a sieve, and you have these beautiful pomegranate seeds. No mess, no stained shirt, and no crushed pomegranate seeds. My friends, nonviolence is not the same thing as non-resistance. The water that I used that second way is by no means passive. You know this. In water, in nature, Water erodes things over time. And water can do to our homes, if it gets out of a burst pipe or a broken water heater, can do all kinds of destructive damage. Water is not just resistance. It's nonviolent. It's active. It's changing things. It releases those pomegranate jewels out of the white casings without having to beat the heck out of them and destroy some of them in the process. We, too, can choose to be actively effective as water when we choose to non-violently follow the teachings of Jesus. And we will then be blessed, as Anna and Simeon were, to have experienced the presence of the Christ child in our own lives. 2,000 years ago, the whole world was thinking of Caesar and his violent hold on the empire. Into that world, God brought a baby who would teach us the change that nonviolence can bring. Amen. Our next carol is the first Noel. Noel, as you know, is French for the birth of God, El being God. But there's some confusion about Noel. 
We're going to turn to page 147 in these new hymnals for the first Noel. The spelling that we have in our hymnals is the Old English Anglo-Saxon Noel, but it still means that first Christmas. And so as we think about singing that lovely carol, let us offer to God the first fruits of everything that God has graciously offered to us. Please join me in the offertory prayer that you'll find printed in your bulletin. Eternal God of redemption, you bless your creation and it springs forth with beauty. You judge your people with righteousness and new life abounds. We bring you now the fruits of our labors. Bless the work of our hands so that what we do reflects the radiance of your love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that what we say proclaims to all people the new hope of Jesus.
Carols are one of the best ways to teach our children and grandchildren about singing, musicality, and participation in a worshiping community's life. Ask any of our music staff or choir what impact they have made on you, and they'll tell you that they do tell of God's love, and they're a great opportunity to continue that. So I hope that you've had an opportunity to enjoy a little bit more about the history and the reason for the organization and our hymnal and the great love that God has for us as we make music together. We have an opportunity this glorious morning to commission members who are traveling to Texas. They're leaving on New Year's Day, so I want to invite those individuals forward. Ron said he wasn't going to wear pajamas to church, but he said he'd wear shorts so that he could remind us that it's 41 degrees outside, friends. Ultimately, there will be 10 of you going, but we're very thankful for the six of you being present. Dan Trena, you're bringing Gabe. Vic Matricia, delighted to have you amongst us. Not many, not many folks know you, so we're delighted to have you amongst us. And one, welcome. Oh, my apologies. Thank you very much, Vic. Welcome amongst us. We're delighted that you're going to make the trip. It's Deb Matricia's dad who's joining them. Sorry about that, Deb. Vic, welcome. And we also have Dan and Jeanette going, and Sue Deasy, and your daughter's going as well. That's wonderful. And of course, Ron's traveling with us. And Nick, your nephew's going to be going as well, Dan and Jeanette, right? So in total, we'll have 10, and Andrew, of course. And Andrew. So 10 folks that will be traveling down in Texas and doing mission work for us. So we have some questions for you. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you? And will you promise while you're there to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, enthusiasm, which of course means entheos in God, enthusiasm and love, will you? Excellent. Congregation, would you please stand? Will you pledge to accept these missionaries on our behalf to go share the good news of Jesus Christ? Will you? And will you promise while they are gone for that week of the start of the new year to pray for them and for the transformation not just of their lives but the lives of those whom they will serve? Will you? Excellent. You may be seated. We're delighted that you're going to make this mission trip on our behalf and we thank God for the gifts that you have recognized and are going to use. God's grace on you all. And you may be seated. We have a number of prayer requests, friends. Dr. Douthat, I'm thankful that you're here at the chancel this morning. And we did hear of Dr. Frank's sad news this morning. Dr. Frank, as you know, may have been, we have been praying for Dr. Frank's mother-in-law, and she joined God in the kingdom yesterday, and so Cheryl and Bruce are making plans for her memorial service. We give thanks and praise that Cheryl's brother was able to be bedside with Dr. Frank's mother-in-law as she passed, and that they had a chance to share prayer and some blessings from the Episcopal Common Prayer Book. We're also in prayer for the lovely flowers, Jill Kelly, that you have in our chancel. 
They remind us of Sammy Pearson and the joy that he brought us in his all-too-brief life and the love that continues to flow through the Pearson and Kelly families. We thank you for giving us this joyful opportunity to celebrate that. We also are in prayer for Thanksgiving of healing because we have been praying for Florence Kufari's daughter-in-law, Laura, who had a heart attack just before Christmas. The good news is she is now able to eat. She's moving a great deal more. We're hopeful that she'll be getting up and moving under her own power soon and can go home soon. So lovely result of what had been a very dire and scary situation for Laura Kufari. We're also in prayer for some birthdays that are coming up. So John Messenger, I know it always gets caught in between. No, Judy did not put the prayer request in. It's my fault. We just wanted to wish you a happy birthday this Tuesday. And also, if you see Karen Mayer this week, she also has a birthday before we worship again. So we are thankful for the many ways that God celebrates us and all of our beings. For at one time, we were each babies too. Please join me in prayer, friends. Mr. Wick. Who am I catching? Kay. Ken's! What day? The most beautiful baby in the world. Today. Thank you, Kay, for catching me. Dr. Douthat, can we? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Is it your birthday too? Oh my goodness. What other joys do we have today? Does anybody else want to share lovely things? Or, or, or sad things that didn't come forward in the prayer request? Dr. Douthat. Lovely. Thank you for letting us know. I think they tech the record then. I do. It was held by the sweets for a very, very long time. Does anybody else know of anybody else mo- married longer? But he's doing better. We give thanks and praise. And thank you for singing with us. You bring such joy to us. Lovely. Please join me in prayer, friends. From our mother's wombs, you have known us, God. You call us to follow you through all our days and seek us even when we wander. We thank you for your creative love, which made us, and for your redeeming love, which makes us whole. We thank you for those moments in our developmental lives when our parents brought us faithfully to be in the worshiping community, even as Jesus was brought to and was found in the temple. And so we ask that you would hear our request today. For those who have experienced a blue Christmas, we ask your peace. Help us to receive each new day as a gift and not as a burden. Help us to see every day as an opportunity to be seized. Give us courage when we would find it easier to cower. Give us mountains to climb when we would rather dwell in the valleys. Forbid that the difficulty of living well and doing your will should ever foster us in despair. Instead, give us power, even in our weakness, to overcome, as your Son taught us to nonviolently overcome. We bring before you all the special needs in our community. We thank you for the miracle of Bob Miller's doing better. We thank you for the miracle of those recovering from illness or affliction, those recovering from surgery, 
those whose lives know the shadow of death, those who know the darkness of depression. Touch each with your grace. Touch our war-weary world, and be especially with those who feel as if they are collateral damage. Bring peace and recovery to the nations and a will to live in harmony. Grant that all people may hear together the song of joy, the carols that we sing this morning, and find their homes in the garden of justice and hope, that we may experience the fullness of life, which is your will for all, in the coming of Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The chancel certainly is beautiful, but your homes will be made even more beautiful if you'll take a poinsettia into it, please. (laughs) Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us on this, the last Sunday of 2014, and into every day beyond. Amen.